0: Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup and you are listening to Recruiting Daily's Podcast. And today we have a wonderful guest and a wonderful topic. So the topic for the day is the new world new world of work which is uh, a wonderful time to talk about it uh, because we're all going through uh, work from home and all kinds of work-related issues. So it's actually really, really, really wonderful uh, to, uh, to have this as a topic. We're going to be talking with Baron from Harvard. And uh, Baron, A., how are you doing today? Very well, and uh, great to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, do, do us in the audience a favor. Uh, introduce yourself and the company a bit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, my name is Barend. I'm one of the founders and CEO of uh, of Harvard.com. And Harvard offers a recruitment and matching platform that is used by organizations around the world that basically have challenges around volume recruitment. So, primarily companies recruiting for call centers, hospitality, and retail. And what we do is we fully automate that process. So, from the apply apply button, in some cases until the hire, there is limited or no human involvement at all. But. And I think what, what, what's interesting is that yeah, because we process millions and millions of applicants, we have yeah, quite some data on movements on the labor market, and we use those insights as well to help our customers to strategize their recruitment for the near future, and in this case, also their recruitment strategy for the post-COVID uh, era that's coming up the uh, year I was about to ask the question
0: it's uh I know that y'all have done some research um, lately about you know COVID and kind of its effects what what are uh, what are some of the key takeaways what have you what did you learn when you did this research
1: yeah so we looked at trends in application volumes and we also do a lot of questionnaires towards applicants and specifically on low entry jobs so again the retail hospitality call center kind of jobs and what we saw is that um the application volumes on what can be considered safe jobs, so for example, work-from-home jobs, are spiking enormously. So people that are now laid off or temporarily unemployed in, for example, hospitality, that at large scale, they are moving to work-from-home positions. We also ask them why, and sometimes the reason is that they don't feel secure anymore in having a job where they have to work with other people. So customer-facing roles becoming less, uh, less popular. I think that's one of the trends that we saw. And what we also saw is that there's big insecurity in the labor market and people that are laid off or, or at home right now, uh, they are really not secure if they get back to their old job in the, in the near future or even get back to the old job uh, at all.
0: It's lots of, well, first of all, that's fantastic research. Thank you uh, for sharing. What, how will the, the workforce change because of you know, this dispersed workforce?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I think what you see right now, and all the press is talking about it, this big spike of unemployment, that 20 million people in the U.S. um, recently filed for unemployment. I think these numbers are pretty logical, right? If you close down businesses, then people are unemployed. I think what's really interesting is what happens after the spike. So this crisis will go over and we will go into reopening mode. Companies will open again. But what we realize now more and more is that that's not a normal reopening, but that we will enter this six feet society. So the society where there are certain rules, um, yeah, that we basically companies need to work with. And those rules in a lot of industries will just mean that you need less people. And I think that's really interesting to really start thinking about, like if the virus itself is over or the, the main issues are over, reopening again, how will the labor market look like? And for example, we did some research in, in hospitality and the number of people that you need to operate all the restaurants in New York will be half of what it was a quarter ago. And I think, yeah, those kind of insights in, in what will happen after the, uh, after the initial crisis is over. I think that's very interesting.
0: So, um, of job availability following the end of the pandemic what do you what do you suggest because i I got asked a question yesterday uh about retail and uh and and uh restaurants in particular
1: yeah. and it was an
0: interesting question of like do you think do you think we 'll have trouble getting those folks back and i answered i 'm not sure those businesses will have the same business model after this. So I'm not sure we have to get them Absolutely. back. No, I might be wrong. <laughs> you're you're the expert in this. I was no, no, you're not
1: I think it's clear. I mean, we also operate in, a, in other parts of the world where they're already in reopening uh, stage. So if you now talk to entrepreneurs in China that also have to adapt to a six feet regulation, if you just look at an average, and, and we will share some information on this as well. But if you if you look on average floor plan, or for example, a restaurant in New York, and you remove the tables so you meet the six feet criteria you see that you lose half of your, t- of your seating capabilities. And that means you just need half of the staff. Um, so if your question is, can we find the people that we need? Yeah, definitely, because we only need half of the people that we used to have. And that means that half of them will stay unemployed, uh, unemployed regardless if they want to go back or not. And this is not only, of course, in restaurants, because this is also impacts the suppliers of the restaurants, but this is also fully applicable if you, for example, look to airline companies. You cannot put the same amount of people in an, in an airplane anymore, so you need less people on board.
0: I think I lost you. Oh, sorry. Am I still there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're good. You're good. You're good. Awesome. That happens with uh, with podcasts. You were talking about the airline industry. You had gotten to the point. Yeah. Of, so,
1: yep. if you have less people on board, you all, right. will all also need less flight attendants. So the people that are at home right now, even if they would like to come back, there is a big chance that in the in the period beyond the initial crisis and basically the stage where we where it's business as usual again, that unemployment will still be really high and that it will not be a problem to find people.
0: Do you, do you think that other uh, industries or other things
1: will emerge to then take those people on? Not all those people. So there are, you, you see, of course, also some spikes. Huh? So for right. example, everybody's talking about Amazon, about logistics. But if right. you then dive into the numbers, so Amazon is doing great business now. But there are reports on the categories they sell on. And a lot of the categories, they are now basically booming on where the business is growing. It's a lot around, for example, tools that you need to work from home. It's a lot about fridges that you want to buy. That, so they sell way more fridges now than they used to do because people want to have more storage in their house to prep for whatever may happen. If you take those numbers out, it's not growing that hard. So, yes, they need a lot of people right now, but when the crisis is over, that will... yeah. It, it will it will not stay on the lever as well right obviously there are companies that will prosper so if you have a company that is for example in office design and you sell tools to make offices six feet compliant yeah you will have a spike of business but it will never compensate for the loss of business in other industries
0: so after the pandemic, the job availability, if I get this right, um, unemployment will still, you know, it'll go down, but it'll still be a high number as it, as it, as it relates to what it was in, let's say, November or December. So um, tell me, you know, one question I have is uh, about the hourly worker in general. So let me back off of kind of some of the meta things, because you're an expert in dealing with high volume, uh, and dealing with what, what is sometimes called hourly and sometimes called high volume. Sometimes it's the exact same thing, obviously. What is that candidate? Could you, let's take a step back for just a second. What it, What's that candidate like? What are their needs? How do we win with those candidates as opposed to people that are not those folks?
1: And generally, those candidates, they're not looking for a career, but they're looking for a paycheck. I think that's a big difference. Hmm. Um, so these people normally also do jobs that you, yeah, that you basically can replace. So they can work in a call center, but tomorrow they can also work in a restaurant. So it's, it's, these are the jobs where you don't need a lot of education for. And especially in the US, it's also the people that have multiple jobs just to make a living. If you look at numbers in Q1 and trends in Q1 of this year, prior to this um, right, right. The COVID situation, there was a big scarcity Especially in areas like the New York area, um, there was a big scarcity for, for these kind of people. So when you look at recruitment, what was really important was having the right sourcing channels, having an increasing uh, speed in the time to hire. Applicant experience was crazily important. And I think what you will see now from, from a recruitment perspective is now the unemployment rate goes up. The number of applicants per position will go up, and things like efficiency will start playing a role again, um, and automated matching, for example. So, I think we will go back to basically 2009, 2010, um, and, and the things that were important for your recruitment strategy back then will also be important for your recruitment strategy to come in the coming quarters where do you see a uh,
0: university or, or uh, entry-level jobs, college, you know, people that have come out of college or, or university, how do you see this impacting them? Uh, not just COVID as it is, but, but, you know, usually those are the folks that take the, the, the lower rings of a, of a firm, right? The entry-level jobs, if you will, they, they take those um, and then they, you know, career progression, et cetera do you, what are they going to do what do you perceive that they're going to do post pandemic
1: i think because i believe that the economy will not rise pretty, will not rise fast so anybody looking for a job also people with education at the start of their career uh, will have a harder time and that will mean it mm. and that's what we saw already during the financial crisis <laughs> let's say 8 years ago uh, it will be more crowded at the area of the low entry jobs so more people will applying at the same job and so it will be harder to, to find something. And it can also, yeah, again, put pressure, for example, on the wages. Interesting. Interesting.
0: Yeah. I, I get the same feel that they're going to have to adapt. And uh, it's not, it's probably not what they thought when they started college. And it's definitely a new, kind of a new, a new reality. And, uh, and maybe some of them go back Better, to get advanced to right. degrees.
1: Go ahead. Yes. No, but you're absolutely right, and it's also harder. Eh? We had, an, of course, the economy was booming for um, yeah ten ten years on a row. So if you are twenty years old now, you you don't have another reality than that things can only go up. And I think it's pretty similar to people that yeah came out of school in 2008. They also grew up with the reality that the only way is up. And yeah, they will need to adapt, and there will be uh, yeah there will be some reality checks there.
0: So, what you know best practices of like dealing with folks right now y'all have a, a ton of clients and you're on the phones with them and you're learning from them what they're doing and obviously giving them advice on what you're seeing. what are some of the best practices right now for the let's let's do let's do this two parts because uh let's deal with COVID and what how do you give people advice about hiring now and then you know maybe even post COVID what do you what do you think hiring your advice will be yeah. then
1: I think we saw three stages. The first stage that we saw was confusion. so like all these companies just have to adapt overnight to this new reality and we had, we supported a lot of organizations in moving to work from home, so basically getting their existing employees to work from home and make sure that yeah they are capable of doing this. part of that was also internal repurposing, so you see that a lot of jobs yeah they just don 't make sense anymore nobody the, the the reception is closed, so you don't need anybody there so actively looking at repurposing your existing staff as an internal recruitment process. I think that was the first thing. The second step, and that's where a lot of companies are still, yeah, have challenges with, and and, and we support them with, is um, remote recruitment and recruiting people that can onboard and work from home, although in the future, their job will not be work from home. I think companies now, yeah, just... Prepare for the worst, basically, and think maybe we will be work from home for the next three, four or five months. so if we hire somebody now, we have to make sure that that person can onboard uh, in a work from home situation and be successful and that means that yeah the the competence profiles and the things you looked at earlier they don 't maybe they don 't um, apply anymore so that 's something that's that is happening right now, and the larger organizations. Um, They look a little bit more ahead. I think the bigger companies there are now making their recruitment strategy based on the economical forecasts that are out there right now, where I think the general consent is this this year financially will be a disaster, and next year we will still have problems. It will not be recovered before the third quarter of next year. And they are preparing now for the new reality where, yeah, they basically overnight moved from scarcity, not being able to find applicants, to an overload and how do i manage all those applicants without growing my recruitment team because yeah generally they don't want to expand their operational costs so these are the three things where yeah where we see that companies are are looking for support I, I love that you've said efficiency
0: uh, a, a few times. So let's let's dig into that uh, for the audience. W- give me some examples of where things are already being automated and should be automated even further in the, the, the entire recruitment process for high volume or
1: hourly workers. I think if you talk about efficiency, then in the old reality, pre-COVID, a lot of effort was taken into, into sourcing, just finding the right people. And if you find them the selection was, was, was done as, as always. What you see now right now is that if, if, the, if companies look at efficiency, they say, we get more applicants in, the applicant volume will increase. And what we don't want to do, because in general there are hiring freeze, we don't want to hire more recruiters to just manually process that. So what they're looking for is a way, if you have a thousand applicants for 10 jobs, how do you filter out the 20 best? And that's basically why they also use our platform then. So installing more tests, installing more assessments, installing more digital methodologies to decide out of these 100 applicants, which one are most suitable. So the recruiter only has to be in contact and have to spend time on applicants that have a likelihood to succeed. And anything in that process, whether it's pre-selection, auto-rejection, but for example, also automatically scheduling the interview, is taken over by technology. And, and that level of efficiency, yeah, it brings back the number of people you, you need to do the job. And it's also, in the end, for the recruiters that are there, it's also nicer because nobody likes to, yeah, be on administrative uh, tasks.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, th- that's a universal. That's pretty much <laughs> – it's almost a truism in life and cross-cultures. Um, I've said this, and I want you to, you know, hammer me on it, um, but I've ha- I've said this to folks – recently that one of the interview questions post COVID that hiring managers will ask in some form or fashion is what did you do during COVID? You know, like what did, you know, what did you, how did you utilize your time? You know, how'd you make yourself better? You know, what, what was your story? You know, no shame, but is, is do you see that as a, A do you see that as a question that folks will ask and, and, or is that a good question? If you do see it, is that a good question to ask folks?
1: I think recruiters always ask questions also like, give me an example when you had to face challenging challenging Mm -hmm. times and how did you deal with it? Mm -hmm. And I think what happens now with with this COVID situation is that you can make that question really tangible and it relates to everybody. So I imagine, I can really imagine that, not maybe for really low-entry jobs, but everything above that recruiters ask the question. And I think the answer is pretty valid because, um, yeah, what did you do, right? In in this period, did you watch Netflix all day on the couch <laughs> or yeah, do something <laughs> else with your job? And that tells something.
0: Yeah, it does.
1: Example, in, in, in the US, it's really interesting yeah, that if you see the, the amount of money you get in the US right now if you're unemployed, I think for the US that's unprecedented, right? That, that, that yeah. you get as if, if you... I think if, if I understand correctly, if you made less than $6,000 a month, it could be that you make more money as an unemployed person right now than when you had a job. Yes. So what did you decide to do? Did you decide to be on the couch and take the free money? Or did you start doing a course to educate yourself or apply or look for new opportunities? And I think it's a very valid question.
0: Yeah. It's, it's interesting because, you know, and everyone's got a different story. You know, your, your mom and dad are elderly and they're sick and you've got to take care of them. And so you you know that's that's just as relevant as uh, you know Harvard opened up a bunch of online courses, and I didn't have to do any of those other things. So I was I already I already ran through everything on Netflix. So I started taking <laughs> courses. You know, um, I want to get I want to get your advice. Uh, two levels. One one level is advice that you have for hourly uh, high volume candidates. Like what do you what do you tend to whenever you. You know, whenever you can or whenever you interface with, uh, with those candidates, what advice, general advice, what, what advice do you give
1: them?: I think one thing is that we also learned in the previous um, crisis, don't spray and pray. So don't try to apply, and that's what we saw a lot at the candidates. I'm unemployed. let's just apply at 100 jobs at the same time and see what sticks. I think it's also in these jobs relevant to really think about for what position? also in in, in in the context of my personal life, do I have the best chance to get a job and tailor your application and focus everything you uh, yeah you share in those application processes to maybe not the most jobs but the best fit uh, the best fit one and I think the harsh reality is it's not going to be easy the It was a candidate market the last yeah. years and now yeah. employers will get more choice so they will demand more flexibility they will pay less and yeah i'm it's it's not a pre- I, i'm not uh, optimistic on, on yeah. that part
0: well you're not the only one there's a there's i mean i talked to two ceos yesterday uh at the shared very similar uh um kind of you know the, it's it's more being pragmatic about what's going on and i think this is one of those things if you've been through several of these, you know, go, go back as many recessions or, or, or you know, events like this that you want to, people that have weathered these kind of understand, you know, the, the cycle of what's going to happen as opposed to someone that's never been through it. Like my first recession that I went through was in the late 80s, and it was a, a real estate uh, recession that was here in the United States where yeah. we had over, overbuilt uh, savings and loan crisis, if you will. Um, and you know what? two, three years later, that was gone and we were into a boom
1: again. So it's, you know, it, we it's worth, through it. Yeah. 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 But, but I think what's also interesting is the employer side. So yes. what you see of course is that the mom and pop shop, mom and pop shops, they're getting less There are more employers hiring a lot of people. And the last years we made a lot of progress when it comes to diversity and inclusion when it comes to protecting minorities in application processes, when it comes to respecting applicant experience and treating them with respect. And I think what we really should challenge all organizations moving forward is that we don't basically abuse this opportunity to let go of everything we learned and we built on, because that's I think the biggest risk that in the end, if we look back in five years, that we said everything we learned in the last ten years, we throw it away overnight. And after COVID, minorities they were basically put in the wrong corner again. DNI was just not a topic anymore. Candidate experience, forget about it. And this is something I think it's a decision from from organizations, but this is also something where I believe that every recruiter could have a voice in. And basically have this voice in their own organization like, "Yes, we could pay less now, yes, we can be harsher on applicants, but is that the right thing to do?" And I think that's a very important. Yeah, I, th- I think that. I
0: think that's a top of mind for a lot of people in terms of we've, there's, an appear, there's a feeling that we've made strides. Are we going to fall backwards? And, uh, and that's, you could take that a lot of different ways, Just uh, even if you do just uh, gender equity. Uh, it seems like we've made some strides over the last couple of years, whether or not we have or not. That's probably debatable, but it seems like we have. Are we going to fall backwards uh, with that and with all of these other okay. initiatives? Um, uh, two questions last. Um, one is you also, in your position, deal with a lot of the CEOs, you know, of companies, uh, the C-suite, if you will, uh, boards of directors, et cetera, uh, of companies that have high volume or hourly workers, what, what do you tend to get, I advise them, like with their workforce, they might not be as close to their workforce, or they might, um, what advice do you give to them about hiring?
1: Yeah, it's, it's that advice is always in a context. And, and the general context that we see right now is that because of COVID, everybody takes a step back, right? Cash is really important. It's hard to forecast your business. What you can forecast is your costs. So things like efficiency and in that context, digital transformation are really big topics right now. And in these topics, we give them advice on how to set up recruitment processes that are in line with those bigger uh, business strategies. If you so, but, that, but those advices are always company specific because it really depends on the size of the organization and what you do, et cetera. I think where we always have discussions on is on the topics we just discussed, like what are the, the values that we should never let go of, even if things get nasty, uh, nasty outside. And, um, yeah, the, and, on, and on those topics and on, on those parts, the advice is always to try to keep what you accomplished the last years as long as possible. I love
0: that. I love that you've talked to that because, again, you are who you are, and this is the moment where you're pushed to the brink of you know your values and uh, what you what you say your values are. Do you live your values? Do you actually exactly? Oh, <laughs> you're
1: so right. You know how easy it is to create nice values in 2019 because oh it's yeah, so easy. oh yeah, oh yeah, words on a page. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, and now it's and, and and values. They start with the CEO. So if yeah. there are values about respect in your company, but now you fire everybody and you hire yeah. them back for a dollar an hour less, I think that's yeah. the moment to look into the mirror.
0: I just, I just took uh, ZipRecruiter to task for that because they had one great places to work, uh, an employer of choice award here in the United States uh, several times and you know, they laid off 39% of their workforce in one day over Zoom. And uh, it's like, okay, these, things yeah. don't, these two things don't gel. You're either a great place to work or not, which I, you know, I don't no, no judgment of for me, but one or the other pick a lane, but be in one of those lanes. And I, I think personally, I think character is born out of these types of opportunities uh, when we actually get pushed to, to really kind of reveal who we really are as opposed to maybe who we'd like to think we are. Um, uh, last question uh, for me is, well, you know, what, what should I have asked you? We were talking, obviously, about the new the new world of work, especially as it relates to to hourly uh, and high volume hiring. Um, what should What should I have asked you that I didn't?
1: I think we had a nice conversation. I think we we, we touched the topics that are also of interest uh, interest for me. I think. Yeah, we could. Talk, we, the two of us probably could talk for hours about the topic, but I think we we touched some really important things that most people on strategic level and 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 also people on the field, the recruiters can 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 think about and maybe have some takeaways on. Awesome.
0: Well, first of all, thank you, Baron, for carving out time. I know you're busy. I know you have a lot of things going on. And oh, by the time 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 difference between here in Amsterdam, it's you know late afternoon, getting into the evening. So I just appreciate you carving out time for the audience. Um, thanks to the audience for listening and uh, tune in next time. Thank,
1: thank you, you. pleasure. Thank you.